This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Amen. Come on. All God's people said what? Amen. Amen. So be it. Let it be so. You may be seated. Welcome online. I just want to say thank you so much for our media team back there. Would you just give a round of applause for our media sound, all of that that goes into that video production. Uh, We want to also say thank you to you that are here as well as thank you to you online. Uh, The last couple weeks we've been having some malfunctions as we've been trying to figure out how many know that technology just continues to happen. And we have an amazing crew, uh, but we still have some glitches. And today we've had uh, an extra set of glitches uh, with a microphone, with all the different things. And we're trying to take all of the steps that need to be accomplished. So if you have a little, if you're online, and those of you that are online, if there's a little a blip in the screen for a momentary segment of time up to a minute, would you just stay faithful and stay on? We will come back. I promise. Uh, we're in the process of doing all that. We've upgraded upgraded, and are upgrading our internet, so our speed is going to be what it needs to be, but uh, there's computer uh, cards and all that sort of stuff that technology, technology moves on, and so that's where we're at right now today, and we thank you for your patience with that. Good announcement. How many are thankful for live stream? right? How many have benefited from live stream? We have people for the first time in the building today as a result of live stream, and so we're thankful for that to be, uh, for, for that we're able to do church, and you're able to participate with us, whether you're in the building or not. We're continuing on with a series today, week number two. Everyone say week two. Week two, week two of six, uh, playing the long game, uh, this, this concept of playing the long game, preparing for the future, preparing, living today uh, for, for future benefit. Uh, and many times we'll think of playing the long game based upon an earthly, temporary mindset, but we want to talk about the long game in the sense of an eternal mindset. And so the series that we've been, uh, the series in a sentence is we are living finite lives. We're living these temporary lives, but we're living or we're playing by infinite 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 rules with an eternal purpose at stake. All of us today, we are finite beings playing by an infinite set of rules that is bigger than you and I, that is playing out longer than you and I will live on this planet, and we need to be living our lives in accordance with those infinite rules. Challenging, correct? You know, and I don't know about you, but I can get uh, disconnected. distracted from, from, the, the, from the infinite and be consumed with this idea of the finite. Many of the games that we talked about last week when we talked about playing this long game, there's these games that you play, and they're luck games, right? And we play those games, you know, like Yahtzee, and it's just luck if you get a Yahtzee or not. There's no strategy in the process of that. But there's strategy games as well. And um, how many of you are, are strategy, strategy games? You like to play strategy games. You like to have a plan and a purpose. Can I tell you today that we, as we think about this long game, we talk about finite and infinite. Can I tell you today we do not want to be playing this infinite game on luck? We don't want to be playing that. Amen? You know, can I tell you that many of us live our lives like this infinite game is a game of luck rather than a game of strategy? And it's not a strategy that we can accomplish. It's a strategy that Jesus already paid a price for, 
right? And so he's purchased us this long game for us, but we have to live our lives in a way that is in accordance with him. So when we talk about inf- infinite, we're looking at a limitless or an endless time frame, an eternal time frame. When we think of the finite, we're thinking of the boundaries that we have on this life. We looked last week that the average American, uh, uh, American citizen or American per- person in America, is seven, their lifespan is 79.3 years. 79.3 years. So wherever you're at in that process, can I tell you, hopefully we live longer then, right? But there's this lifespan that we can, we can go, no, there's a finite ending to this. There's a finite beginning and a finite ending that we need to be conscious of as we walk it out. And so we asked this question, asked a question last week, what game are you playing? And as we answered that question, and as you answered that question, today we come to week number two, and I ask you, who is your coach? Who is, this, who is it that is helping you play the game? Who is it that is giving you instructions and guidelines and directions of who this coach is? And I would, you know, many of us can come back and we can go, well, no, my coach is Jesus. And I want to truly ask you, is your coach Jesus? Because if you've played for a sports team at all, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit as we walk through this, but uh, coaches tell us what to do, and we as players respond to what the coach says. Is that not correct? God's Word is filled with how we are to live our lives. And so the, today of this, ch- the, the challenge of this message, this challenge that we face is that some are believers in this room and some may not be believers. Some are able to go, no, I have made Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior, meaning that I submit and surrender to Him. But I can tell you this, that even in that process of at one time saying those prayers of, no, he is my Lord. God, would you be Lord of my life? How many know that that's a daily choice that we have to live? It's a daily moment-by-moment step that we have to come and go, God, no, I want to trust you, and I want to put you first in my life. Many of us want to play by our own rules. Many of us want to play by society's rules. And when we think of this long game, this long game is not a luck game. This game is made by rules and the one that gives us those rules is Jesus, and we need to be listening to those rules. So today, as we come to this question of who is your coach, who is it that you are allowing to coach you? And the title of my message, in addition to that, is are you coachable? Are you coachable? Are you willing to let someone speak into your life, that someone being God, that being being God, to direct your path and to direct your steps Scripture reminds us all throughout this need for the coach, uh, for, a, for a coach, but also a greater need for this coach that designed everything. When we see in Isaiah chapter 55, here we hear God is speaking. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. And I don't know about you, but in my humanity, I like my way. Anybody out there, out there like your way? Anybody sometimes think your way is better than God's way? Everyone should be nodding their head because everyone has sinned at one time in your life to go, my way is better than your way, God, and I'm going to do it my way. Our culture today is surrounded by people that are going, no, I want my way. I want to do it my way. Romans chapter 11 says this, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Think about this depth of this wisdom and this knowledge. And then it goes on and says, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unfathomable are his ways. 
Can I tell you today, I wish, I think it would be simpler, what we do have it, I guess, in a sense, on our, in, in Scripture, in commentaries, and in concordances, but would it not be simple, wouldn't it be just fantastic if God were like Google? Think about it. You know, let's just Google that. Rather, let's just God that. You know, I mean, could we just get the next steps and the directions of what our life needs to be? If we could just Google it and say, God, what is my what what are my options and what's going to be the outcome of my options? Right? So we step back though, and we 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 do, we miss this concept that God's ways are unsearchable. They're unfathomable. They're so much higher than what we can think. They're infinite. They're infinite. They're out of this world. Job says this in Job's 42. He says, I know that you can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So we get this concept, we get this understanding when we think of this coach, the coach that we need is the coach who made the game. The coach we need is the coach who set the rules. The coach we need who is the one who is unfathomable, who is unsearchable, who, whose ways can never be thwarted. How many, how many want to be guaranteed to win? In games, how many would, would, would love the magic tool to always be guaranteed to win if you're competitive and you always want to win? Anybody always want to win but you lose sometimes and you have a, a tizzy fit because you lost? Today, when we talk about this infinite game, we're guaranteed to win if we'll play by the rules of the one who created the game. We're guaranteed to win. We're guaranteed not just a finite win, but an infinite win that God's going to take us higher and further. God, who is omnipresent all places at all times, who has no beginning and no ending, he is the long game. God who is omniscient, who sees everything, who knows everything, nothing is a surprise to him. God who is omnipotent, who is all-powerful without any weakness. This God who has no restrictions based upon space and time. This God that I'm talking about is the God that we need to come to when we're playing the long game. He's the one that we need to approach to go, God, how do I live this game? And I'm so thankful today that he has loved us so much that he has given us thing called the Bible that tells us these directions. Amen? Can I tell you, I think if we were more word-centered in our lives rather than TV-centered and news-centered and social media-centered, can I tell you that our lives would be a lot different? This concept of God's word that brings us strength. In sports, especially professional sports, coaching is very highly regarded. No position on the team seems to be more scrutinized than the coach. If a team is winning or a team is losing, it's blamed on the coach. If a team is successful or not, it is blamed or attributed to the coach. The coach is responsible to set a player and the team up for success. They are to lead, direct, teach, and to shore up. When we think about this earthly coach, we think about the responsibility that they have. Can I tell you that that's the same responsibility that God has for you and I? When he comes and he says, no, I want to set you up for success, I want, I, I'm responsible to make sure my player plays this game. I'm responsible to make sure that the rules are fair. He leads us, he directs us, he teaches us. Coaches assist athletes in developing their, their players to their fullest potential. God's desire for your life, God's desire as a, goal, as a coach, as you're playing this long game, is that you will end 
this life and the, the, your purposes in heaven develop in your fullest potential of what God created you to be. Not what our culture declares you should be. Not what someone says you should look like or sound like or be like. But God himself who designed you and created you in the very image of God. Who has the stamp, the cookie print, cookie cutter print of you. He knew you before the beginning of time. He has your end inside. He's saying, no, I, your coach, know how and who you need to be. How many of us can get overwhelmed with that thought? How many of us can lose track of that thought? How many of us can get so caught up in what someone else is doing or what society is telling us to do that we lose track of what the coach is telling us to do? The challenge and the tension in coaching is that most people really don't like authority. We've all heard the statement, have we not? A bumper sticker that's gone around that says what? Question authority. Question authority. Uh, Here's a little more humorous one. Question authority, but not your mother. And Rhonda, the, the queen of mothers, says, amen, don't question authority. I've even learned don't question authority, right? She's not my mom, but it's like, yes, ma'am. Uh, no, but this process of questioning authority, th- this concept that is, that is ramped up in our culture and is even ramped up even more through the last couple years of COVID and the pol- political tensions that are there, is there's this concept of this anti-authority. And I want you to see, understand this today because I want to talk about a t- subject that is tension-filled This idea of submission, this idea of submitting to authority, God's authority, but we're going to touch on these other forms of authority just really briefly, but this anti-authority opposed to or hostile towards authority. We could probably, each of us, think of an occasion over the last two years, three years that you watched on social media or saw on TV or maybe even witnessed in person this anti-authority concept and mindset. This don't tell me what to do. Let me ask you today, how many can be honest to go, I've felt that before, don't tell me what to do? How many have ever said that today? Don't tell me what to do, right? Can I tell you that at the very root of that is an independence, is an attitude that I own my life, but it also is a reflection of an anti-submission, an anti-recognition of an order that God has placed in our lives. There's a term today, well, this concept of a disregard for authority to give little attention to, to ignore, to treat as unworthy of, of consideration and, ex- and respect. A couple weeks ago, Ron and I had a situation at our home that we had a neighbor kid with his friends that probably about seven or eight of them, we live in a, in a nice neighborhood, that decided that they were going to use our front porch, our front concrete, all the way up by our door as a skateboard jump. Uh, Total disregard and respect. I go out and have a conversation with them. I'm trying to be kind, and they're like completely ignoring me. Total disregard of authority. Total disregard of behavior. And finally, my, my glare and my stance, finally they moved on, but they went on, not just from, they didn't move on and leave the neighborhood, they moved on to someone else's house and began to do the same thing. Disregard of authority. We can point our fingers at all these people in our culture that have a disregard for authority, but the question that I want to bring back to you is where do you have a disregard for authority? 
Rather than us criticizing everybody else, rather than us going, oh, this is culture's problem, how many want to be part of culture's answer? And can I tell you today, it's your decision on how you live out your life. There is a, a, doc, uh, a behavioral disorder called oppositional defiant disorder, ODD. No, it's not just odd. There's really a, a behavior that's out there. The definition of that is one who is uncooperative, one who is defiant, one who is hostile toward peers, parents, teachers, and other authority figures. So today, when we see situations that our teachers are having to deal with or our parents are having to deal with, some of them may be dealing with a behavioral issue that is an operational, uh, oppositional defiant disorder. It's not unusual for children such as these uh, to behave wrongly in a terrible two or in early teens, but this behavior is one that drags on and behavior is there. And so many times we have to come back and go, so is this truly a behavioral issue, a medical issue, or is this honestly, and I'm going to step on toes today, or is this a parenting issue? There's a combination, and yes, we won't, I, won't, I won't comment on those things. But today, this concept, when we, symptoms of ODD, some, symptoms of what oppositional defiant disorder is, is throwing temper tantrums, arguing with those in authority, actively refusing to comply with requests and rules, trying to annoy or upset others, easily annoyed by others, blaming others for your mistakes, outbursts of anger and resentment, being spiteful and seeking revenge, swearing or using obscene language and saying mean and hateful things when upset. So we can see these disorder behaviors that are there, these symptoms that we can blame on a ODD behavioral issue, but can I th come today and also say that these behavior issues can come as a result of a SIN issue? Not just an ODD, but an SIN, a sin issue in our lives. And we are defiant by nature. Our human, human, human personality is defiant by nature. God says, sit, and we may sit, but we're standing inside. God says, surrender, and we're going, okay, well, just this once, but next time it's my turn. This concept that we struggle with, and it's an overarching thing that God speaks to throughout Scripture, and it's a word called submission. A word called submission. Submission has been abused. Submission has been uh, used in wrong instances and, and terms, and I want to bring a clarity of what submission is today. Submission is to yield to authority, an act of surrender one who is humble, one who is compliant, one who is submitting to the authority or control of another. You go, well, that's a nice Webster's Dictionary. Let me give you the Greek definition. It's going to be used, the Greek word is hupotasso. Hupo means under, and tasso means to arrange. So if we were to come with the definition today is to say, you are going to arrange your life under the authority of God. You're going to arrange your life under the authority of God's Word. This idea is to obey, to be subject to, to submit oneself unto. Today we can, could take time and I could preach several messages on the concept of submission in every area of life. The, the area of submission in God's uh, structure of submitting unto him, God's structure in the home of how we are to submit one to another as husband and wife, how children are to submit and put themselves under the authority of parents, how we as um, 
the church, the church, we are there's there's a submission process that you come in and you submit to the leaders in the church. There's the legal issues, the positions that are outside of the church that we are to come in and we are to recognize the authority of. We could go on a rampage about all that took place over the last couple years of our opposition to authority. But where I want to settle this morning, those are all issues that we could deal with, and those are all issues that, that you need to pray about in your own life. But I guarantee this, the overarching issue is if you will rightly submit to the authority of God, every other area will fall into place. If you will rightly come to a place of going, God, I'm going to arrange my life under your authority. I'm going to arrange myself, my marriage, my children, my job, my behavior, my attitude towards government. I'm going to line all those under, under your authority. Can I tell you that every other thing is going to fall into place? God's going to begin to shape your life and how you function. James chapter 4 says this, submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves then, when, then, now, always, every day. How many know that this submission process is a day in and day out moment? It's a decision by decision moment. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. There's a humility, there's a recognition that my way is not the right way. As much as you like to win games, as, like, as much as you might be competitive, how many of you still also struggle with the concept of humility to go, no, my way's not the right way? There's this recognition that we've got to come to. Submission is not easy. Anyone ever struggle with submission? Anyone ever, honestly, anybody ever struggle with authority? Again, it's this defiant, sinful nature within us that we have to stand against and we have to battle. Having a humble and a submissive heart is a choice that you and I make moment by moment, day by day. Every decision that comes our way, we have a decision to go, am I going to submit to God's authority or am I going to submit to my wants? And I'll say this, vice versa, as you submit to, as, as you submit to God, your, your life is going to be shaped by that. But as you submit unto leaders, you are submitting as unto God. Everyone got a little bit quiet there. Let me repeat it. Maybe you didn't quite grasp it. As you submit to earthly leaders, you are submitting to them as unto God. As you submit to the authority on this planet, you are submitting to them as authority unto God. And you go, no, I don't agree with that. I can give you scripture and verse. And we're not going to take time to preach it this morning. But I want you to understand how we submit to God and how we submit to others is all inclusive and reflective in how our behavior is in the lordship of Jesus Christ. A.W. Tozer says this, what comes, into your, uh, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What is it that you think when you think about God? This morning when you came into worship, what is it that you thought? What is it that you are entertaining in your mind about this concept of singing this, these songs about God, the reckless love, this pursuing love of God? What are you thinking about? What is it that comes into your mind? What thoughts are conjured up? Can I tell you today, when we come to this concept of playing the long game, when we think about God, what we think about God is the most important thing in how we are going to play this game. 
how you're going to live it out. If you truly understand that God is a God of authority, that God is a God that you need to submit to, that God is a God that knows the end before the beginning, that God is a God that knows the steps tomorrow before you even thought about taking this step, that God is the one who created this game, can I tell you that that's going to shape every day that you live? It's going to shape the decisions that you have. So I ask you again, are you, are you coachable? Are you coachable? Are you allowing God to coach you? Are you allowing that on a daily basis that you're coming to a place of going, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to work towards honoring you. I want to honor this authority that is there. So I want to give you real quickly three things today that coaches do. Number one, coaches equip. The role of our coach, the role of a sports coach is that coaches are going to equip Coaches assess you and your ability. They look at your attitudes. They look at your potential. And then they train and they run practices. They instruct and they teach plays for you to reach your fullest potential on that team. Can I tell you today, as God looks down on our lives, as God who knows us, who designed us, who knows us better than we know ourselves and anybody else on this planet, he knows our likes and our desires. He knows the purposes that he planned for us. Who better to coach us than the one who created us? Who better to guide us to our fullest potential than the one who actually set our potential? A coach sees potential and calls out that potential, challenges the normal in our lives, and draws, out, draws you out of your comfort zones into the unknown. Anybody here been drawn out of the comfort zone by God? He's pulled you out of something that you thought was good, and he's going, no, I'm going to stretch you. A coach is there to help develop you and to remind you of the game and the goal. He's there to call out when, you are not doing, when you're not doing it right and push you to perform to your very best. Is that not all God himself? Is that what not his word does for us? That's why I'm saying today that you and I need to be more dwelling in the fact of God's word and his spirit to allow him to shape and to guide us, that he can equip us. God's goal and his passion is to coach and, is and, and to coach and equip his creation to fulfill their purpose. Their individual purpose. It's a corporate purpose, but their individual purposes. Michael Yosef says this, whatever God calls us to, uh, or excuse me, whenever God calls us to a task, he will equip us and enable us to complete that task. This is all throughout Scripture. This is a theological principle that is there over and over and over and over again. That we come back and go, God, I'm not, I'm not qualified. Is there not a lot of people in God's word that says I'm not qualified? We can go back to Moses. He goes, but God, I can't do this. Gideon, but God, I can't do this. Isaiah, but God, I can't do this. And God says, I called you, and I know your potential, and I know the purpose that I created you for, so therefore I'm going to give you the equipping to be able to accomplish that. Hebrews chapter 13 just one of many verses throughout Scripture, he, the writer in Hebrews says this in verse 20. says, now may the God of peace. Everyone say, now God. Now God. Now may the God of peace. Now God, may he equip you with every good thing to do his will. And may he accomplish in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can I tell you that this does not remove our responsibility? This does not remove our living in the process of obeying what the coach is saying, 
But can I tell you what this passage of Scripture says to me? What it should say to you today is that God himself, now God, that he is here to equip you to accomplish every good thing that he has set out for you to accomplish. To do his will, that he may accomplish, that you may, that he may, that, and may he accomplish in us what is pleasing in his sight. You want to win the, win the long game? You need God, the coach, to equip you. You need God, the coach, to empower you. You need God, the coach, to give you the ability to accomplish what his purposes are. I love this fact because we can get dissatisfied with the speed of God. Anybody ever get dissatisfied with the speed of God? Like, God, I should be here. I should be someplace different by now. My attitude should be someplace different by now. I love this passage of Scripture that Paul comes in Philippians 1.6. He gives us this promise. And there's a confidence in what he says. He says, and being confident of this. Everyone say confident. And being confident of this, that he, that God who began a good work in you, he will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Until the infinite day that is here that we do not set a, a, a timeline on. That God himself is at work in us. He's equipping us. He's empowering us. This concept of this verse of Scripture, theologians say this, that God is forcefully moving his plans for us in the right direction until we are finally complete. I want you to hear those words. That God is forcefully moving his plans for us in the right direction until we are finally complete. I love that, that this God who is the God of this game, who's the coach of my life, is going, I am moving this play piece I am moving you through life, and I have confidence that I'm going to accomplish in you what needs to be accomplished. Not only do coaches equip, coaches study, and they make a plan. Coaches study, and they make a plan. You're saying, does God coach, and does, does God study? Does God make a plan? God knows everything. But I can tell you this. He doesn't have to study because he's got all the knowledge, but he has a plan for our lives. From the very beginning of time, from the moment of creation, he set out with a plan and an agenda. And you're part of that agenda. Coaches study game film of the opposing teams and they make a plan of how to prepare for the game and the opponent. They look ahead and they plan and they know the outcomes because they've studied the game. They're aware of the game. Can I tell you that you and I don't study the game enough? That's why we need a coach who studies the game. Our concept of the game is from our position on the court, our position in the game, we're, we're dissuaded by what we see and how we experience this game. We need a coach who sees all. When coaches use this game film, they, look, they use it as a way to teach new plays. I don't know about you, but I'm more of a visual learner than I am a verbal learner. Anybody a visual learner? You have to have like a picture out there. It's why coaches use a clipboard or they use a whiteboard because they want to diagram the plays. Coaches will come now with game film and go, these people are running this play. I want us to learn this play. I want us to learn how to run this play. They're able to see rather than just, just being told what it is. So uh, coaches use game film to teach new plays. Coaches, coaches use game film to analyze the game. How many know that there's your perspective, there's your team player's perspective, and then there's the coach's perspective? Can I tell you there's, I want to add a fourth perspective to it? There's the camera's perspective. 
that most of the time in a gym or on a, on a, on a field, it's going to be a, a camera that's above that's going to be looking at the whole thing, that's going to see the behaviors that are there. We can get done with the game and go, no, I did a good job. And your team player is going to come and go, dude, you didn't pass the ball. We can get off the court and we can go, man, I failed in that play. And your coach can come up and go, no, actually, you ran the play right. It was them that ran the play wrong. What happens is this perspective of a camera, of a piece of film that is able to give us direction to see what really has happened. Film is also used to analyze competitors, figure out their favorite plays, their favorite moves, where their idiosyncrasies are, where their weaknesses are. Can I tell you today, when we talk about a coach and these practical things that a, a, a real coach does, God himself is doing for us. God is able to come with a perspective to go, I see your good behavior. I see where you missed it. And I want to call you to your fullest potential. God is able to cause you to recognize that, no, it was you that sinned, or maybe it wasn't you that sinned. It was someone else that sinned against you. And you have a choice to forgive or to, wa- or to walk in resentment. God himself is the one who visualizes and is able to look down on and see our opponent's whether that's a self-opponent of pride within our lives or an opponent outside of us. God, this God, knows all of our game film. And he's aware of all those things. And we need a coach that's able to assess that. A passage of Scripture that oftentimes is misused, but I want you to understand that this morning is Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'll say overarch, over, in overarching say this, God has a plan for your best outcome. God has a plan for your best outcome. And people can get dissuaded by this verse, so I want to just take a few moments just to explain it. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper and not to harm you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. I'm going to tell you what he means, and I'm going to tell you what he does not mean. Because I want us to understand the, this, the gravity of this. Verses prior to this, and starting in verse 1 of 29, God comes and he says, Israelites, I want you to build houses. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to marry. I want you to build families. I want you to marry off your families so that they can also increase. And I want you to repeat this. Instructions, overarching guidelines to go out and to do. He says, I want you to seek the peace of the city. I want you to pray for the city. I want, and as it prospers, you will prosper. Don't listen to the wrong influences of culture, basically is what he's saying. He goes, I don't want you to be dissuaded from my agenda. And when the time has passed, when you have understood the game and you've played the game correctly and what I have accom- what, what's been accomplished is what I've intended to accomplish, then verse 11 comes about. Again, this process that many times you and I will step in and go, oh, well, God, you said. And God's going, there's a process of this hope in this future. There's a coaching process in this hope in this future. There's an equipping process in this hope in this future. There's a plan process that I have for you, and it's not your plan and not your agenda. It's my plan and my agenda. And can I tell you that oftentimes we delay God's plan and God's agenda because you're so consumed with your plan and your agenda. And God's coming back and going, no, I want you to surrender and submit. This process that Jeremiah is talking about on Jeremiah 29 29, is actually a long process. Talk about a long game. Over almost 30 years of process that is taking place in the Israelites' lives. This was not an overnight 
Here's your hope, and here's your plan, and here's your purpose. Israel's choices had an effect on their future. As they heard these words, did they believe them? Did they trust them? Did they apply them? Let me ask you today, do you realize that your choices have an impact on your life? We have this written word of God that gives us truth, that gives us life. We have this, this, the Holy Spirit that's present in our lives that brings conviction. But if we don't respond to our choice with our choices, can I tell you that you just hold yourself in this limbo of this long game and you get dissatisfied and get frustrated rather than coming back and going, God, I just submit to you. Again, how many like submission? Both the Old Testament and the New Testament reveals God's love and purpose and promises for our lives. This verse is not intended to give you the idea that, Lord will keep, that God will keep you from being tested. This verse is not intended that you will not have a future without a difficulty. This verse is not intended that it does not imply that you will never have experienced physical harm, never experience sickness, never experience relational troubles, never experience unemployment. Rather, this is a word that is speaking of the spiritual blessings and plans of God that are greater than all of those things. So when we come to this concept, you may not experience this hope and prosperity on planet Earth. God's saying, your ultimate goal, my ultimate plan for your life is that you would have an infinite prosperity. But I can say this. A lot of times God will expose some of that here on this planet Earth. God's favor will be present in our lives. Not only does God, or does the coach equip, not only does the coach study and make a plan, the coach also challenges us. This is oftentimes the one that is the most difficult for Kevin, especially when Kevin has all the answers and Kevin wants to do it his way. Anybody guilty of that? When you have a plan for your own life, when you have a goal for your own life and you're on this right agenda that you think is correct and God comes in and challenges those things, coaches come and they challenge. Coaches put their players in situations to stretch and to prepare them. Ultimately, to challenge their players to bring out the very best in their lives. Again, the incorrect perspective of Jeremiah 29, 11 is that you and I are never going to experience hardship in life because God has a purpose and a plan for our life. I don't know anybody on planet Earth that has never encountered hardship. The strongest and the most faithful Christ followers that did not encounter hardship. Can I even tell you today, Jesus encountered hardship. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Holy One. Jesus, the one that's part of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God, God Jesus himself suffered hardship. The purpose of a coach is to challenge us that we'll bring out our best, whether that's running suicides in basketball, running stairs. I think of the hard, the horrifying hardship of running to the M in Missoula, Montana from, from the high school, which was two miles to the base of the mountain, and then running up a hill, up a trail, to the M on the side of the hill, and then having to run back and being timed that you fulfilled it in a certain amount of time. Otherwise, you could never play varsity. Talk about challenging 
Talk about challenging a mindset. Our coaches want to put us in high-pressure situations because they know that high-pressure games are going to be part of our future. A misconception in our lives is that oftentimes we come and go, God never is going to bring me to a breaking point. This false interpretation of Scripture that God will never give you more than you can handle. Can I tell you, that's a bunch of hogwash. If you've walked with God any length of time, if you read through God's, if you read through Scripture, you'll see story after story after story that God brings character after character after character to the very end of themselves that all they can do is rely on the coach. And today, when we think about this concept of coaches challenge, they don't just challenge, they bring us to the breaking part of our humanity. The breaking part of our lack of submission and our self-authority. Everyone knows that there are many different types of coaches. Coaches who will pat you on the back, coaches who are fun to be around, coaches who don't take things too seriously. But I can tell you from experience as well as a story that I'm going to share with you that the best type of coaches are those coaches that love you enough to be tough on you. Coaches who are going to get in your face once in a while. Coaches who are going to hold you accountable. But at the same time, coaches that you're going to trust with your life. An illustration of a coach that I read a lot about and I've heard about is one of the best examples. Is His name is Coach Itzo from the Michigan State University. I want to read you some of his accomplishments. He's been, was a, he's been a coach for 26 years. Elected to the Naismith Hall of Fame in 2016, Itzo has led the Spartans to the NCAA National Championship in 2000, runners-up in 2009, eight Final Fours, 10 Big Ten regular season titles, and six Big Ten tournament championships in his 26 years of coaching. Itzo has the most wins in the school history, and his team has earned invitations to 23 consecutive NCAA. So out of 26 years of coaching, they've, been, they've, they've gone really far 23 years of that. And in addition to this, Michigan State set the Big Ten record for the longest home court winning streak between 1998 and 2002. Michigan State has been recognized as the top college basketball program for the decade of 1998 to 2007. Itso is currently the longest tenured coach in the Big Ten Conference. His teams are often recognized for the rebounding prowess and defensive tenacity. He has won four National Coach of the Year awards. Itso has won uh, 10 regular season conference titles, the third most in the conference history. He has also won the most Big Ten tournament titles and six in the conference history. You say, why are you giving us all this fact? Because I want to tell you a story that recently happened. A while back, Coach Itso got a bit of bad press on social media for yelling at one of his players during a timeout. Many thought he was overreacting and being far too hard on the player. The media and the people were unhappy. They criticized him. They said he was abusive and that this behavior was uncalled for. His players came to his defense. Having a coach who does this makes the player much more focused and much more prepared for the sport and for life. Someone like Coach Itzos holds you accountable and makes you correct your errors, shows you life is tough and that you need to toughen up to survive in the real world. 
Being coached by someone of this style can either break you or make you into the one of the toughest athletes in your sport. Because these coaches aren't looking to belittle you, they're looking to get everything out of you. They're hard on you because they know how much you are capable of and what and and know that sometimes you need that extra push. I don't know if you've played sports, but I've had good coaches and I've had bad coaches. I've had coaches that have pushed me. I've had coaches that have been too easy on me. I've had coaches that have even been too hard where there's been a verbal abuse process. But can I tell you, when we talk about coaches today, you and I live and serve the most amazing coach on that has ever existed. This infinite being that knows you and knows exactly how to challenge you. God is a tough coach because he knows your potential. Can I just tell you right now that some of you are going through horrendous situations. Some of you are coming out of one and some of you are heading into one and some of you are right in the middle of. But if you can come and you can understand that the God who loves you so much is this coach that's there and he's challenging you because he's wanting to bring something out of you that you don't even realize is there. He knows that we are created in his image. Can I tell you, he knows that you are designed for greatness. Not earthly greatness, not worldly greatness, but greatness in the concept that you're reflecting Jesus Christ. He knows what situations to put you in. He knows exactly what it is that's gonna, that needs to be produced in your life and how to pull out that fullest potential. Can I tell you that the trials that I encounter, the trials that we encounter as a family, the trials I see you encounter, I would never put you in circumstances like that. But God knows exactly what he's trying to pull out of your life. He knows what needs to die. He knows what needs to grow. He knows what needs to be replaced. And even though we come to a God that we don't understand, his ways are far higher than our ways. His thinking is so different than our thinking. His goal is for your life to be the best you that he created. All throughout Scripture, and I can read Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that talk about the trials that God brings us in. But Scripture talks about God refining us as gold, this heating process that burns away impurities in our life. Some of you may be right now on the very fire of life, and God's going, endure, because what's going to come out on the other side is gold. I'm burning up the impurities. Psalm 66 says this, for you have been, for you have have tried us, O God. You have refined us as silver is refined in the heat that burns up all the dross. First Peter chapter six says this: If in all this uh, we, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness. Everyone say genuineness. God's goal for your life is to prove genuineness of your faith, a greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. Hebrews chapter 12. My son, do not make light. Do not devalue. Don't dismiss the Lord's disciplines. You mean what I'm encountering is discipline, but I didn't do anything wrong. I want you to hear this. Don't make light of it. Don't devalue it. Don't dismiss it. Don't try to understand it. Don't try to explain it away. Don't try to justify yourself in it. He says, and don't lose heart for when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves and he chastens everyone that he accepts as his sons and daughters. 
Verse 7 says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his very own children. If you, are, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. You're not real. You don't know God. Can I tell you that so oftentimes in our lives we come back and go, God, it's not right. The devil's doing this to my life when I want to go. No, God's put you in a situation that he's refining you. Playing the long game is a thought that you and I need to get our lives back into. It needs to shape how you and I think and you and I live and you and I serve and you and I love is this long game. And we need to realize that this coach who has called us to play this game, who has set us on this planet, is a God who's going to equip us and empower us to do whatever we need to do. He's a coach that knows how to set a plan for your life. And he's a coach that's going to come and challenge the snot out of you. I should actually say he's going to challenge the sin out of you. Why? Because he knows that we're humanity and we're fleshly. As I close, this is what I've realized. This is what I've experienced. That you can be the best player on a team, but if you don't listen to the coach, you will sit on the bench. You could be the one that's supposed to start the game, but if you don't run the play the way the coach is telling you to do it, he's going to sit you on the bench. And can I tell you, how does that apply to our life spiritually? That many of us are sitting on the bench. Many of us are sitting here because we're unwilling to listen and submit to the coach. And the coach is going, refining process. The fire is going to get hotter. I'm going to bring more discipline. Not because God wants to harm you. Not because God does not love you. But Hebrews ends by going that if he loves you, he disciplines you. If he loves you, he chastens you. If he loves you, you're his child. 1 Peter chapter 5, as I end, a passage of scripture we read part of, but I want you to hear the whole thing. It says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Our response today as we come is to not go, God, I want it my way in this long game. I'm going to win and I'm, I'm going to do this. God's going, I want you to realize that I'm going to oppose that mindset. The way that you and I are going to win this game is by going, God, I humble myself. Verse 6 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. And the promise is the second part of this verse. And that he may lift you up in due time. That after everything is settled, after he has proved in you what needs to be proved, after he gets you to this place, then he's going to go, no, I'm going to give you a step up on the stairs. You're going to get a one more level up. You can understand that he is working in us as we respond this morning. First question, are you coachable? Are you coachable? Are you coachable to human authority? Because can I tell you that sometimes God uses human authority to coach us in spiritual authority? Are you willing to humble yourself? Are you willing to recognize that you're not always right? Second question is, do you do the hard work to perform according to what your coach is instructing. I can tell you today that it's not just a cakewalk to walk with Jesus. Even though he's the one that's equipping, can I tell you, there's a lot of dying. How many have discovered that? There's a lot of surrendering. There's a lot of submitting. 
Third one, are you trusting God to lift you up in his timing? Or are you trying to bypass his timing? That's me. Can I tell you that I have a plan and I have a future and I see that if I take this shortcut that maybe I can get to this destination a little bit quicker. Anybody shortcut takers? Anybody like to get out from under the heat of Jesus sometimes? God is asking today, going, no, you have to play my way. You got to walk my way. You got to surrender. Last question is this. Have you humbled and submitted your life to him today? Have you humbled and submitted your life to him today? Can I tell you that's where we begin? That's the very first step that we begin in this process of coaching, letting God coach us, is that we wake in the morning and say, God, I humble myself today. God, I recognize that this is who I am, and I submit to your power. I submit to your authority. I submit to your purpose for my life. God, I remove my agenda, and God, I choose your agenda. And that might happen this morning at 4.01 when I got out of bed, and it may happen at 4.01 and 30 seconds, and it may happen at 4.02. Can I tell you that there's many times in Kevin's life that I have to come back and go, God, I humble myself and I submit. God, I humble myself and I submit. That's a practice that you need to practice in your life. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want to pray for you. I ask you, who's your coach? Are you coachable? If you are coachable and you recognize that Jesus is your coach today, would you just lift your hands in a form of surrender unto him? God, today we come. We recognize that you are the one that knows everything. God, even though we may not understand it, you are the one that has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And God, today we come and we submit and surrender to you, the coach. To you, the one who is calling us to play this long game. To you, the one that's going to empower us. And God, today I pray over every person. God, those that are in this room that need supernatural equipping. God, they're in circumstances that are beyond their control, beyond their understanding. God, God the equipper. God, would you come and equip them with the plays? Would you come and equip them with the power? Would you come and equip them with the ability to walk out and to fulfill the purpose purposes that you're working in them? God, I pray that you'd give supernatural confidence today. Supernatural confidence that we would know that you who began a good work in me, you will be faithful to complete it. And God, today, you are the one that has a plan and has a purpose for our lives. You studied, you know us, you created us, you designed us. God, help us not to rewrite that plan. Help us to surrender to your plan. God, this plan that you have that is set out for us to achieve and accomplish amazing things. God, help us to surrender to that plan. And God, there are those in this room that are experiencing great challenges. God, hardships, things that we don't understand, things that are beyond our grasp. Things that many times we could come back and go, God, I feel abused. God, I don't understand. I'm the victim of. And God, you're wanting us to come and go, no, I'm loved. I'm loved. God, would you just expose your love to us today? That those things that we're encountering, those things that are we're facing today is because of the love that you have for us. 
and the purposes that you're trying to fulfill in our lives. God, we thank you that we have such an amazing coach. One who loves us, one who encourages us, one who's fun, one who inspires us, but God, also one who challenges us to bring out our fullest potential. God, today over every person, God, would your purposes be accomplished in their lives? God, would your purposes be accomplished in their lives? As we live for this long game, not just the finite temporal of the years that we live on this planet, but God, you're preparing in us an eternal weight of glory. And God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Our prayer team is coming across the front. If you need prayer this morning, they would love to pray with you, love to encourage you in the Lord. Otherwise, you're dismissed today. Make sure you greet someone. Make sure you find an opportunity to invest some time in relationship today. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.